Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, today, I am going to do one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I'm going to do it teachy style. Um, normally, I do kind of preachy style, but there's, this is one of those books of the Bible that you kind of need to go line by line. Every word is just dripping with prophetic revelation, and I feel like we should take our time and slowly go through the book of Ruth. And um, Ruth, if, if you're new to Jesus stuff, um, Ruth is in the Old Testament. Um, Ruth is, um, well, you're going to hear about it in a minute. It's, it's during kind of a dark time in, in Israel's history, and um, it's, it's kind of a rom-com. Like, like the, the way it was written is unlike most other books of the Bible. It, it, it reads um, like this love story, but then a bunch of people die, so guys like it, and you know, um, it's, you have to remember that it's a true story. This is nonfiction, but it is written with such flair and such color. Um, it's, it's, it's a vibrant portion of scripture in a very black and white chunk of Israel's history. And um, every year, the Jews all around the world will read the book of Ruth during Shavuot, during the the Feast of Tabernacles, which was just a month ago. Um, So I just want to remind you that this really happened. Although it's going to read like a a love story, action adventure, this really, really happened. And we don't know 100% who wrote the book of Ruth, but whoever wrote it, the Holy Spirit was like, let's have some fun. Like, let's have some fun with names. Let's have some fun. I mean, God wrote all of the names, you know. But there's just, it's like you're going to peel back a layer of an onion. And I don't mean like a raw, gross onion. I mean, you know, like a, like a blooming onion or something, or like a Texas Roadhouse onion where it's like, you know, fatty and sweet and, and amazing. And, you, and it's like you, you eat the thing and you're not even hungry for your meal because you ate so much. We're just going to keep peeling back this layers and layers until we get into it. If you don't know Jesus-y stuff, let me, let me just kind of set the stage for you. Um, well, no, before I get into that, <laughs> speaking of this thing being a layer and having so much revelation, I have to imagine, fast forward a thousand years, the book of Ruth is, is one of those books that's in the Hebrew Bible, and you've got great New Testament preachers that served under Jesus, you know, people like Peter or people like James, I don't know, and um, uh, they're studying the Bible, but the New Testament hadn't been written yet, so they're studying the Old Testament. And they're in the book of Ruth, and they're kind of prepping a sermon for Saturday. Okay, just want to make sure you're following me on that one. And they're prepping their sermon, and they're preaching about Jesus, but then they're also mixing in Old Testament stories. And they're like, Ruth, it's this amazing story about unbelievers and about people being redeemed that a price was paid for a bride. And you know that somebody was like, Ruth is about Jesus. And they're like, no, it's not. It's about, oh my gosh, it is. And the excitement there would have been because Jesus is going to creep up in this story, even though it's a thousand years before Jesus. So just buckle your seatbelt. We're going to have some fun today. Um, yeah, if you don't know Jesus stuff, Bible stuff, let me just give you a big overview. In round numbers, we're going to go about a thousand years, about 1,200 years before Jesus. So before BC splits to AD, um, the Jews uh, were, were called by God through Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, his 12 boys, all of their kids. It made this whole nation of people that God chose to have eventually bring the plan of salvation, eventually bring Jesus, the hope of uh, salvation for everybody. And um, the the Jews were um, down in Egypt. 
and they were treated poorly by Pharaoh. So God raises up Moses and the burning bush and the plagues and the Passover, and he, he delivers them out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the desert, and it's in the desert that they're there for 80 years. And God gives them the laws, the rules. Hey, I want you to obey these rules. And if you'll hang with me, I'm going to hang with you. So if you obey, everything is going to be good. If you disobey, all hell will break out against you. So the people of Israel knew all of this. So fast forward, Moses dies, Joshua takes over, they march around Jericho, the walls fall down, they take the land of Israel. There, there's, there's battles there, the Jews settle in the land of Israel, and then they go through the season where there isn't really a king, um, it's called the season of the judges, where there were different either um, religious leaders or military leaders that were leading the people, but they weren't necessarily like a king over the people. And God was the king of Israel at that time, that's going to come into play in a few minutes. And um, basically, the Lord said, if you will honor me in your hearts and obey the law, everything's going to go okay for you. Let me read you a portion of that law that God gave while they were in the desert. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. He said, listen, guys, if you carefully obey all the commands that I'm giving you today, and if it's not just obey, if you love the Lord your God, and not just um, to obey, but it's to love, and it's not just to love, it's to serve. If you'll serve me on a dream team, hashtag growth track three today. Um, if you'll serve me with all of your heart, all of your soul, then things are going to go well for you. Verse 14, I'm going to send rain that's going to prosper. And this is the ancient world. The only way to prosper would be through farming and raising animals. You wanted lush, green land. You wanted rain. So he said, if you love me, if you serve me, if you obey me, then I'm going to send rain on the land. I'm going to give you early lane and rate lane so that you can bring in your harvest grain, wine, olive oil. I'm going to give you lush pasture land for all of your animals. And you yourselves are going to have all you want to eat. I would like to have all I want to eat and no calories. We just rebuke the spirit of carbs in Jesus' name. So good, amen, yeah. So um, I went on a, a new eating plan this week to, to lose, to try to turn the tide on what's been happening in my waistline. And then I went on a, on a wedding and I'm like, everything was amazing. And you can't say no at a wedding, it's a celebration. So it's my nephew's fault for getting married. So obey God's laws. Love and serve the Lord with all of your heart. Rain will come and prosper you. Prosper your crop. Uncommon church, this is still a promise for you today. Yeah. Obey God, love him, serve him with all of your mind, heart, soul, and will. He will still bless you. He will still prosper you. And if I can even say it, he will financially bless you. But we don't live under the Old Testament law. Jesus fulfilled that law. And if you're a believer in Jesus, he lives in your heart. So it, do you, if, you, if you really do love him, he will bless you. He wants to bless you. It's his, he's looking for ways to bless you. But sometimes we block the Lord. And we're like, no, no, don't, don't bless me there. So you just open up your arms and say, Lord, I love you. I honor you. I obey you. I serve you. I'm asking for your blessing in every area of my life. Just be careful. Don't ever look for the hand of God. Look for the heart of God. His hand will follow. God, our God is faithful and he is just. And the blessing of his hand will always follow the worship from our hearts. I think that was good, and you, you, were, you, you didn't catch it. So I'm going to repeat it. Lene got it. The blessing of God's hand will follow worship from our hearts. 
So I, I, I'm in, I need a little bit of help just because as we're going to read a Bible story. I'm going to read fairly quickly. So I just need some, some human beings to help me not act, but just stand with a kind of a, like, I don't want to be here, look on my face. So I thought I'd grab some high school kids. Um, <laughs> do we have any uh, seniors? You're a senior in high school. Raise your hand. I got one over there. I got a senior, two over there, three over there. Seniors in high school. Raise your hand. How's, how's the year going? I got, who what? All right. Now we're going to move on. Dude, come on. You can't play me like that. So, all right, I got four. All right, so you four, come on up here. And now I need a couple more, so we'll go juniors. Junior year, how's it going? Raise your hand if you're a junior. So, all right, I got one over there. Junior, come on. We only have one junior this year. Interesting. So, come on up on stage. So, JL's like, I love to be on stage. I have no problem with that. So, um, one, two, three, four, five. All right, how are we doing, sophomores? You're like, Grandpa's trying to get her. She's like, nope, don't. He, he doesn't know I was a sophomore until you pointed to me. All right, sophomore, come on. Come on, sophomore. There's no way you're a sophomore in high school. You were this big. Wow. Let's go. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We did it. Reluctantly. I told you I'd have the right looks on their faces that I wanted. So, good. Just make a line. Y'all step downstage a little bit. JL, show them what's, which way is downstage. Good. Uh oh. Oh, snap. Slide over to the middle. Look at y'all being out of whack. Okay, Zoe, this way. Good. Lily, this way. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Good. All I'm going to ask you to do is hold a sign, guys. This isn't, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, hurt you or anything. So, all right, we need a Bethlehem. We're going to put Bethlehem over here, so stand on that black box. Good. Hold on, I need a Moab. Let's get a Moab. So, do I have enough guys? One, Elimelech, Moab, crud. All right, there's gonna be a girl for Moab. Zoe, you get to be Moab, you're over here. Da -da -da. Good. All right, I need an Elimelech. Here, da -da. Good. You're Naomi. Good, you're Malon. You're Kilion. Oh, who gets to be prized? Ruth. So. Lily gets to be Ruth, you get to be Orpah. Y'all just stand there and hold those names. All right, I'm gonna get into the story a little bit. Um, I just wanna read these things. So we've got the, the land of Moab is over here, it's a different country. And then the, the land of, of Judah, of Israel, specifically the city of Bethlehem is over here. So um, let's, let's read this love story. What I love about a love story is that girls are on the edge of their seat like, oh, I hope there's true love. And the guys are like, he promised a famine and people are going to die. I want to hear, tell me about that. All right. Ruth chapter one. In the days when the judges ruled the land of Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from, like, yeah. Death and destruction. <laughs> so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking with him his wife and two sons. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. When they reached Moab, they settled there. Now, let's just stop right there. How is it possible that we have a famine in the land of Israel? Was it God's fault or the people's fault? It's the people's fault. It was a rebellion against God. God said that I'm going to bless you real good as long as you love me, obey me, and honor me with all your heart, mind, and soul. Now, what's the significance with Moab? 
The significance of the Moab is go back to Deuteronomy chapter 23. The Lord said, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants for 10 generations could be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. These nations, Moab, did not welcome you with food and water when you came up out of Egypt. Instead, Moab hired Balaam, son of Beor from Pethor, from the distant country to curse you. Why'd you, why'd you God be cursing the people like that? But the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. He turned their intended curse into a blessing because that's what God does for his people, amen? As long as you live, you must never promote the welfare of the Ammonites or the Moabites. Who's Elimelech? You must never promote the Moabites' goodness. So here's the deal. Where's Elimelech? All right, here's Elimelech. Okay, good. Here's his wife. All right, you don't have to hold it up make it all about you. So... That's my job. So, um, Elimelech and, and, and uh, his wife Naomi, they got two sons. All right, go away. Actually, you live over here. You're over in this cursed land. You're cursed too. You're way cursed over there. Okay, good. These two sons over here, right? And Elimelech, dad, was like, all right, my family is over here in this blessed place. Go, go be blessed. Go be blessed. Go be blessed. Go be blessed. All, all of you are blessed. Moab was an enemy of Israel. God forbade the Jews from living in Moab. He forbade the Jews from blessing. He said, he said all of your needs are going to be met in Bethlehem. And here's the point. Don't ever go to the world's way of blessing you when God has a prepared way. He will bless you if you'll stay the course. He will bless you if you stay in Bethlehem. He will bless you if you stay in his will and in his kingdom. We get cursed and things go wrong when we find ourselves in our Moab. And it's different for everybody. But don't go back to the ways of the world when things get tough. Instead, Elimelech led his whole family over here away from the promises of God. He should have stayed in Bethlehem. He should have obeyed God, loved God, honored God. And even though there was a famine going, around, going on around him, if he would have stayed faithful, God would have blessed him. So I've got to give you some definitions of some of these names, though. Because there's a ton of irony. All right, Bethlehem. Let me see. You. Stand right there, but let me hold this for a second. Beit Lechem. It's two words. It means the house of bread. The house of provision. God's blessing, God's provision is here. And the writer uses this sarcasm and how they named their kids. Because they actually lived in the house of bread. What's the one thing they didn't have? Bread. So there's this like, and then some of you are already fast forwarding because you know your Bible stuff. And you're like, wait a second. King David came from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Messiah is, is from Bethlehem. So you've got this whole thing is this irony because Elimelech, his name, Eli Melech, means... Yeah, my God is king. My God is king. So the irony is, his very name means God is king of my home, but I'm going to lead people to Moab. His wife, Naomi, I love Naomi's name. Her name means pleasant. Just, it literally just means pleasant or, or happy, right? But here's the irony. You've got this family that are going through a difficult time. And they have these two sons. And the problem is they allowed their frustration with God's plan to affect their family. So they named their son Malon 
It means sick. Why are lights going out? Kilion means broken. This is what it means in the ancient Hebrew. Is that not totally jacked up? What a strange love for Naomi, this good Jewish mama. She's, she's making gefilte fish for dinner and the boys are out shooting hoops behind the house and she just opens the back door and says, sick, broken, y'all come on in for dinner. It's messed up. Your family and your children will be sick and broken if you try to live outside of God's plan for your life. So they live in the house of bread, but they went looking for bread. So all Limelech family, y'all go over to Moab. Actually, Ruth and Orpah, you don't even exist yet. Go away. Just, go, yeah, just, yeah, you know what I mean? They go to Moab. And the Bible says they literally, it says they settled in Moab. Never settle for anything less than God's best for you. Because here's the problem. They're over here in this town, in Moab, in this cursed nation. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and write you cursed. Sorry. Now you, now you cursed. So. Let's just keep reading the story. Elimelech dies as soon as they get there. Lay down. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely, definitely going to send him to Bible college because he'll be... Yeah, he'll be preaching here at Uncommon in a couple years. As soon as they get there, Elimelech died, and Naomi's like, I have my two sons sick and broken. And then fortunately, scoot over just a hair. There you go, pleasant girl. All right, Orpah, Ruth, come on. Uh, it doesn't matter. So you're just standing there with the thing on your thing. I'm going to step over this dead body. So who married who? I forget. Uh, one married a woman named Orpah. The other married, oh, I didn't even say. All right, well, then you guys get married. Stand there. Good. And slide in here a little. I didn't even say who married who. So, so one married a girl named Orpah. Broken married Ruth. Maybe it could be the other way around. The Bible didn't say. Ten years later, Malon and Kilion died. So you've got this mama that has these two daughter-in-laws and they're stuck there in this cursed land away from the house of bread. And it's like, well, on one hand, as parents and as, as people with half a brain, you're like, well, duh. They named their children sick and broken. Don't be surprised that they're dead. You've been speaking that over their whole lives. Mom and dad, what you speak over your kids' lives matters. Mom and dad of young, uh, 20 year olds, and you're naming your next kid? Before you go making up a weird name, please pray and ask the Lord what you should name your child. Names matter. I'm not saying you can't make up a weird name. I'm just saying God's a lot smarter than you and he cares what your kids are called. Elimelech led his family away from the house of bread, away from God's blessing. It's no wonder they died. 
Deuteronomy literally said, have nothing to do with Moab. But they settled for a lesser plan. Mom and dad, you don't ever settle for a lesser plan for what God's called your family to do. Now we've got three widows, an older widow and two younger widows. Here's the problem. These girls are stuck. Oh, they don't have names yet, do they? And if you know JL, this is ironic. <laughs> Orpah means neck, but the implication is stiff-necked. <laughs> Where's Dan and Amy? <laughs> Ruth, interesting name for a Moabite girl, faithful friend. But now you have these three poor widows that are destitute. Go back to our story. Ruth chapter one and verse six. Naomi heard in Moab that the people in Bethlehem were blessed again. They were having good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law, they got ready to leave to go back to Bethlehem. So there's this Jewish mama leading these two pagan heathen girls to go back to God's country where she had been living. And they're taking the road that would lead them back to Judah. So it sounds at this point like we have a prodigal son story from the New Testament. Elimelech and Naomi, they left God's blessing. They ended up in the pig pen and then the boys died. But then Naomi came to herself and mama's like, you know what? I'm gonna start heading back to the father's house. That's a smart mama right there. Because here's the problem. She stops on the road because she realizes in ancient Israel, a widow with no money has no social status. There's no income. They're gonna to have to live on charity. They're gonna to have to live in borrowed housing. They're gonna to have to live on landowners that owned crops. In the ancient world, as part of God's law that you wouldn't run the harvesters all the way to the edge of the field. You would leave a strip of wheat or corn or whatever it was that they were, I guess corn wasn't a very Middle Eastern crop, but wheat in, this, in the story of Ruth, they would leave a strip across the edges and it was specifically for the poor to come take. And it was called gleaning. So that, that, that's what she's imagining is that for the rest of her life, these two young girls are going to have to serve this old woman by gleaning. And it was a, a terrible way for these young girls, especially if they had families. Now, the interesting thing is there is a picture of hope. There is a picture of grace here that even when we're lost, God will always give us something to cling to. God will always give us some hope. It is, even on your darkest day, God is good. Let's get back to the story. Uh, Romans chapter, uh, Ruth chapter one, verse eight. On the way, Naomi said to her two daughters, girls, y'all go back to Moab. Just take a step. Y'all go back to Moab. Go back to your mama's homes. May the Lord reward you for the kindness that you showed to those dead boys. She's like, I'm, I'm grateful that you were a part of my family and I pray that the Lord would bless you, that he'd give you another marriage, that you'll find security in another marriage. She kissed him and she said, y'all go on down. And then the interesting thing is these two girls actually love Naomi and they honor her. They broke down, they wept, they cried together. And um, she, she, she kissed him and said, y'all go on. And they, the girls said, no, Naomi, we love you. You're our mama now. We want to go with you to Judah. We want to go with you to your people. And Naomi replied, why would you go with me? 
can I give birth to another son or sons that are going to grow up and then you could marry them again and that they would be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' home. I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible for me to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Are you going to wait around for 18 years? Would you wait for me to, for them to grow up and then refuse to marry somebody else? No, of course not, girls. Things are far more bitter for me than you. That's going to come into play in a minute. She said, things are far more bitter for me than you because the Lord has raised himself up against me. The Lord's fist is against me. So again, the girls wept together. They hugged each other. And Orpah was like, see ya later. Go away. Just sit. Go back to Moab. But then Ruth, she clung tightly. Put your arms like intertwined. There you go. Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. And, Na and, and, and Naomi said to her, listen, Ruth, your sister, she went back to her people. She went back to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and return back. Mama, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I'm going to die there. And then I'm going to be buried near you. And she said, Ruth said, faithful friend said, may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. That's an amazing young woman right there. When Naomi saw that Ruth was actually determined to go with her, she said nothing more. She said, well, golly, isn't Ruth quite the faithful friend as we return to Bethlehem, to the land of Judah? I love Ruth's tenacity. She said, let your God kill me if I ever leave or abandon you. This is crazy. Because in the ancient world, she couldn't marry on her own. She could only marry if Naomi was to give her a son. And Naomi is like, listen, sweetheart, the baby-making factory has been shut down. I'm not making another son for you. I am penniless. I am broke. And you are agreeing to go to a foreign land that you don't know anything. You're agreeing to be poor forever. You're agreeing to, to live with this me, and I'm bitter now forever. Isn't this a beautiful picture of the way that you and I would serve God in this way? Saying, Lord, I, I don't need to be rich, but I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Lord, I... I I'm going to stop worshiping my old way of life. I'm going to stop worshiping money. I'm going to stop worshiping, you know, politics. I'm going to stop worshiping Netflix. I'm going to stop worshiping sex and pornography. I'm going to stop worshiping drugs and alcohol. I'm going to, I'm going to live your, I'm going to abandon my way of living and I'm going to live for you, Lord. See, Orpah, I saw a girl split when she got the chance. More Christians pretend that they're on a journey with God, but when things get tough, they quit and they go back to Moab. Ruth and Naomi continued on to Bethlehem in Judah. Let's read that story, pick it up in verse 19. The two girls continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was so excited by Naomi's return, and they said, is that really Naomi? And here's the thing, though. She got so hurt from what her husband led her to do. She said, y'all, don't call me pleasant, because my life has been bitter. Call me Mara. which means bitter. That's so sad. She said, I went away full, but the Lord, I come home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? 
So Naomi returned to Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth. She said, just call me Mara, call me bitter. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring, just as the barley harvest was happening. That's an interesting little side note there, that the barley harvest was happening. But isn't it interesting that she left and her name was pleasant. She returned and her name was bitter. Just what everybody needs, a bitter mother-in-law. That's Sorry, Ruth. I will tell you this. The longer you run from God's plan for your life, the more bitter you will become on the inside. And I will say this. If you have a loved one in your life, a close friend, a family member, a spouse that's bitter, be a Ruth. Be a faithful friend. And those of you that know the story, and we're going to get into it next week, there's this hope in verse 22. There's this little excitement at the end that there's a barley harvest coming, that there is grace, that if you will honor God, if you will obey God, if you will return to Bethlehem, if you'll return to God's house of bread, even in your darkest hour, there's hope, there's life. He's gonna bless you. If you're willing to turn back and run to your father's house, there is more bread for you in your father's house. Verse 21, she said, I went away full, but the Lord brought me home empty. So now Naomi was full, her belly was full, she was pleasant, but because she ran from God, she returned broken and empty and lonely and bitter. So you're gonna have to come back for chapter two next week because there is an amazing story of hope. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless Naomi. God wants to bless Ruth. God wants to bless Uncommon Church. God wants to bless those that are broken, those that are empty. There's so much more to the story and it's just so exciting to see what God is about to do. If you guys could put your cards on that table right there and return to your seats while the church says thank you for all of your help today. <laughs> Faith is not just for the good times. Faith is when the bad times outweigh the good times. Faith is when you don't see any good times. But salvation comes by faith. We call on Jesus by faith. And we always end up broken and empty and bitter if we run from God. And there's death when we run from God. God's plan for your life will die if you run from God. God's call on your life will die if you run from God. The beauty is His grace. If we will humble ourselves and return to God, he will pour out blessing. He will pour out his calling. He'll pour out his favor. He'll pour out his anointing. Hop up on your feet. If you know the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal returned to the father, he was expecting to have to serve like a slave, like a servant. But the father loved him so much, he just wrapped his arm around him and just hugged him and hugged him and hugged him and hugged him. I think there's probably some people here this morning and some people watching online that you've been running from God and you think the rest of your life is gonna be empty, bitter, poor, broken, lonely. And God's saying, all I need you to do is just return. Just humble yourself and return to me. I love you and I'm crazy about you. I'm not mad at you. I'm gonna extend my grace to you. Just return to Bethlehem. Return to the house of bread. There's favor, there's blessing for us. Even, here's the, here's the biggest problem. We disqualify ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. 
for mistakes we've made. So we shame ourselves. Shame is a characteristic, a trait, a, a thing that we do that is not a part of the heart of the Father. See, I love my kids like crazy. Um, if you know me and my family, my daughter is in Bible college at Bethel out in California. Uh, my other daughter um, works for a missions organization in Colorado. So all of my kids, they flew to the wedding. We all got to meet up in Richmond. And it always takes me back when I hear some of the stories last night at the reception about all the cousins doing crazy things together. Speaking of which, I need to talk to some of my kids about some of those crazy stories <laughs> and what their level of involvement was in those stories. Because kids are kids and sometimes they do dumb kid stuff. But the, the dumbest thing my kids ever did, the most disobedient, the most dishonoring, the most rebellious, it never took away my love for them by one iota. You know what I'm saying? So we will disqualify ourselves. We will live in Moab when the father's like, dude, come on back to Judah. Come on back to my love. Come on back. And we're like, no, no, no. I'm empty. I'm bitter. I'm broken. I had that affair. I had that abortion. I got drunk. I, I, I've been a whore. I, I've, been, I've been angry. I've beaten. I've committed crimes. I, I, I've hurt people. I, I've done these things. Nobody loves me. You've got to forgive yourself because God is willing to forgive you. Jesus is not going to die on the cross over again. It's a finished work of grace because of how much he loves you. We just have to humble ourselves and receive it. Let him wash us and cleanse us. He will restore us to royalty. He wants you to be a child, not an orphan. He wants you to be, the, the Bible literally refers to believers as saints, but we only see ourselves as sinners. It's a lie, it's a deception. Sometimes it's religion. Well, we grew up in church and we were always said we're not good enough. Sinners are in the hands of an angry God. If you've repented of your sin and made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're not a sinner. You're a saint. Like, well, I don't, I'm just, I'm struggling, pastor. Okay, just keep walking back to Bethlehem. Stop running to Moab. There's only death in Moab. There's only pain in Moab. There's only pain and death and loneliness and emptiness and destruction at the bottom of that bottle, at the bottom of that bowl, on that website with your fear and your loneliness, your, your control, your addictions, your, your power-hungry plays, your, your desire for more power at work or, or, or to manipulate and control people in relationships or, or money. It's always gonna end in emptiness if you run after Moab. Run after the heart of the Father. He's standing in the middle of the house of bread and he's like, dude, I'll bless you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. You, if you love me, if you honor me, if you obey me, if you serve me with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, I have no problem blessing you. I'll rain all over your life. You'll have lush crops. Your relationships will be lush. Your kids will be lush. You're, you're, you'll prosper in every way financially. I'm not saying you're going to be a bazillionaire, but you're not going to be hungry because you live in the house of bread. We pray together. Father in heaven, in my own life, I, I can picture times where I have, I've run after Moab and I've run away from your love and I've run away from your plan, your calling. 
I've called myself broken and sick. I, I, I've declared crops and harvests of failure, emptiness, addiction, sin, fear. Lord, I'm asking that this morning for our church family, for those that are watching online, for a crop failure. And that in spite of the seeds that have been sown, that we would reap a harvest of love and of holiness and of grace and of mercy and of bread for our souls that only comes from your word. We want to feast on you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Even those of you that are watching online, just right there in your apartment or your living room in your car, just close your eyes. Picture a loving father, God, in the middle of the house of bread with his arms outstretched saying, come on home. I'm not mad at you. I'm sorry that you went through all that pain in Moab. I'm sorry you went through that pain in that relationship. I'm sorry that you got hurt. But just return to the house of bread and I'm gonna bless you. If you're here this morning and, and you know you're not right with God, if you're here this morning and you know in your heart you're living in Moab, then I'm gonna ask you to pray, to repent, to ask Jesus to forgive you and then ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your soul. I can lead you in that prayer, but I can't pray it for you. It's gotta come from you. So whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, this might be the first time in your life you've ever made a serious commitment to plant your life in God's house. It might be the first time in a long time. Maybe you're halfway down the road to Moab and God had me deliver this message and this story just for you to stop you from running headlong into Moab, headlong into pain and bitterness and emptiness and poverty. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. So what do you say, friends? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, but you're ready to pray, you're ready to get right with God, you're ready to return to the Father's love in the house of bread, I'll lead you in that prayer. But I would like to know who I'm praying for. Would you just shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day. Shoot your hand up and just say, pray for me. I see your hand right there and your hand over there, your hand right there. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on. Good, 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 good. What about you at home? I saw three or four hands shooting up, people that want to get right with God today, people that want to return to Bethlehem. I, I know I can't see you, you're watching YouTube, but if that's you, your heart's pounding out of your chest, the Father's love is wooing you, calling you back to Bethlehem, would you just raise your hand right there between you and God? He sees you. For you and for the three or four people that shot up your hand, if you believe it in your heart, would you pray this out loud with me? Say, dear Jesus, I repent. I'm so sorry that I've been running to Moab. Forgive me, wash me and cleanse me as I return to you. Lord, Jesus be the king of my heart, the lover of my soul, the father I so desperately need. I receive your love and I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me, for adopting me, for filling me with your Holy Spirit, for blessing me. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you say amen? Hey, for the three or four of you that raised your hand, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, man, I'm proud. For you at home, I'm proud of you. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.